are just acting up. The people on the job just don't like me. Oh, having a bad financial time here in America. The weather, the this, the that. And we look for natural explanations to difficulties in our life. And that, that may well be true. But there's also a spiritual explanation that we absolutely need to consider. The Bible warns us in 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And be warned, as he's walking about, 
there. I want to talk to you about doors of spirit access into your life and how that the adversary through open doors in your life can get access to you. And this lesson is going to be a very graphic lesson. Obviously, it's stuck with the flowers for 10 years. <laughs> you know, it's like often, you know, a teacher, after they finish teaching and they get in their car and they drive home, they want to call the folks up at church and ask them, anybody remember what I spoke about? I'll give you $20. I'll give you your ties back. <laughs> Can you tell me what verse we read? And it's amazing how much of the Word of God we lose. Don't lose this one. Don't lose this one. And I'm going to talk to you about that right at the very end also. Ignorance is an open door into your life. Ignorance allows spiritual activity into your life. Lineage is an open door into your life. And habits. And I could make the list much larger, but PowerPoint only gives me so much landscape here that I can work with. We've got to talk to Microsoft about that. But I was able to get these three things on there, and these are the three things that I feel are very important. We need to understand the risk ignorance, of ignoring lineage, and also what habits and how that plays out in our life. First of all, ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. This is that important. You can lose your children. You can lose a generation because of your lack of spiritual understanding. And how does the enemy come to those that are ignorant? The Bible makes it very clear. Often he will come as an angel very deceptive, very appealing, very beautiful, very possible, very, very much makes a lot of sense. And in your ignorance, you let this in the door. We read here in Ephesians, in time past you followed the world's evil way. You obeyed the ruler of the spiritual powers in darkness, the spirit who now controls the people disobey God. This is why we are engaged in this type of a Bible study here tonight. Because in time past, these things had control in our life. Paul cautions, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're going to expose some of his devices here tonight. The lineage door. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to idols, nor serve them. For the Lord thy God, for I the Lord thy God am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. 
those that bring things into a family. We're talking about wickedness that creeps into a family and it stays there, has a tendency to reappear in the next generation. I'm going to say this and it may confuse some of you. If you're battling something, there's a very good chance your father never If there's something you struggle with, you're probably not the first one in your family that struggled with that. And somebody, somewhere in some generation, has to break that. It's got to be broken. And this is the time, and this is the hour, this is the generation. And then there's that habit door. Surely you know that when you surrender yourselves to obey someone, you're in fact the slaves of the master you obey, of sin which results in death. Can't seem to overcome it. Week, month, year, entire lifetime, the habit door. Now, Science will tell us that, you know, habits are formed in very natural ways, how that we create pathways through the brain and how that we get certain satisfaction over certain things. And we're talking about addictions. We're talking about all sorts of things that people do and they can't seem to get control of it. It's an open door to the enemy in your life. I was sitting here when we first got here and it was almost like an impression came to me. You don't really need this here. These are all good folks. Nobody needs to hear this stuff. And I always felt a little awkward coming and talking to you about this because you're all decent people. Who am I trying to kid? We all need this. Our families for generations we're messed up. Ignorance has allowed us to bring things into our life. It's affecting our children and our grandchildren. And we, even though we claim to be overcomers, occasionally are overcome. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. We can be victorious. We can overcome. We can make it. I've been doing a study recently on the growth of Pentecostalism around the world. And it's a, it's a study that was actually put together by Cambridge University. It's a very interesting study. It was not written by Pentecostals for Pentecostals. And I, I get a, a common theme over and over again that it seems whether it's an Mexico, whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, or even in the United States, that the Pentecostal church struggles to grow until it gets a breakthrough. And then it says, growth and revival comes in torrents, like a flood, thousands suddenly. And within 10 years, typically, the great revivals of the Pentecostal faith have swept across nations and across continents within 10 years. And what triggers that? It's 
pushing back the darkness, getting this stuff out of our life and becoming true warriors of the light, getting that victory and binding the spirits that hold us back and control our cities. We can do this and it will bring revival to this city. It'll bring your families in. It'll bring your grandkids in. Many will be saved, but we have to bind this in our lives and in our city. I want to talk to you about satanic spirits. The Bible calls them out by name. There's a spirit of divination. There's a, a familiar spirit, a spirit of jealousy, a lying spirit, a perverse spirit. There's a spirit of pride. There's spirits of infirmity, seducing spirits, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of whoredoms, spirit of error, the spirit of death. These are all called out by name in Scripture, and there are others. We're going to look at some of them right now. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. But there are those in our midst that today struggle with fear of poverty, fear of sickness, fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of death. These things terrify some of the people in this room. Some of you folks think nobody loves you, nobody cares about you. That's a spirit. Now I'm not criticizing you, I'm criticizing the, the spirit that puts that on you. For you have not received the spirit of bondage, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. In Isaiah we read concerning when Jesus came, to anoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, joy for mourning, garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. These three spirits we need to understand. Now, these three spirits attach themselves to people. The spirit of heaviness, the spirit of bondage, and the spirit of fear. These can be lingering side effects of previous spirit attacks upon the life of those who may have had an open door to the adversary prior to coming to Christ. I want you to catch this. Unresolved issues. When you came to the Lord and you repented of your sins and you were baptized in Jesus' name and you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you noticed an amazing change in your life. But there were some things. There were some things that never got resolved. And you'll get to them. You'll get around to it. Just a little more difficult. And you pray about it. And you get forgiveness. And you talk to the Lord about it a lot. I've talked to enough backsliders in my almost 50 years in Pentecost. And it's amazing the reasons they give for walking away. Silly reasons. Reasons that I just can't believe. You're going to hell for that? That's what took you out of the kingdom of God? It always seems to come down to some unresolved issues that manifest itself in a spirit of heaviness, 
spirit of bondage and the spirit of fear. Just a little reminder here. These are open doors to the devil in our life. And they come about through ignorance, lineage, and habits. And they manifest themselves in those three ways. Now we want to take a closer look at some other spirits in the Bible. Spirit of pride, spirit of lying, spirit of selfishness, spirit of perversity, the spirit of whoredoms. And all of that, the people in this room struggle with at one time or another. Jesus exposes the devil. He was talking to a group of people one day, and this is what he said to them. You are the children of your father, the devil. And you want to follow your father's desires. Satan puts these things into you. And it makes you want to do these things. From the very beginning, he was a murderer. And he's never been on the side of truth because there is no truth in him. When he tells a lie, he's only doing what is natural to him because he is a liar and the father of all lies. Jesus exposed the devil by letting us know that he's a liar, a murderer, a sower of discord, an adversary, a tempter, a thief, a destroyer. But also be warned, he's cunning, he's wicked, he's totally evil, he's cowardly without principles, proud, deceitful, cruel, and aggressive. Jesus met him in the wilderness one day. And everything the devil said to him was a lie. Everything. It's all a lie. How do you do business with someone like that? How do you make a deal with someone like that? How do you trust someone like that? Why would you listen to someone like that? Because Jesus said, you want to follow the ways of your father, the devil. Lying. I remember as a young parent. Do we have any young parents here? So filled with idealism. Child's never going to get diaper rash. Child's never going to have an ear infection. Your baby's going to get A's in school. It's going to be on the honor roll in kindergarten. Your child's always going to be dressed up in their Sunday best. They'll never be colicky. I've had five of them. You know the biggest thing for me? My child's never going to lie to me. And you know what I found out? They lie to me all the time. I used to take it personal. I used to get mad at my kids. And they'd lie to me. They'd bother me. Until, you know what I found out? Everybody lies to me. Salesperson lies to me. My boss lied to me. My neighbor lied to me. Our world is built on a lie. Think about that. The deception, the level. I have a friend right now. He's over in Europe. He's in Paris. And he says, um, ain't nothing here in Paris that matches what I'm seeing on the news. 
I told him, I said, you'll find that everywhere you go. Because the news lies to you. Politicians lie to you. The doctor lies to you. Scientists lie to you. Everybody's lying. It's kind of scary when you think about it. Where can you go for truth? I talked to the Lord. He's never lied to me. Lying contradicts the very character of God. The Bible teaches that God cannot lie. Jesus says that Satan is the father of lies. The whole world lieth in wickedness. Deal with it. Deal with it. You're not going to get a fair shake in this life. Nothing's going to be right. Everything's crooked. That's the world that we are thrown into. And we have to navigate in that. And Satan has an awful lot of control. And he controls through deception. And he controls through lies. To lie is to choose to imitate the character of Satan rather than to be like God. You struggle with lies? You struggle with the truth? If you don't, you're better than most. Because typically, when the pressure's on, what are you going to tell them? If you have to ask that question, what are you going to tell them? It's already starting to twist it. Spin it. How are you going to spin it? What do you do when your boss tells you to lie? It's everywhere. Lying is a spirit. Of all the sins that man may commit, lying is perhaps the most dangerous. What? You'd put this right up there with adultery? And murder? Yeah. Of course. And the reason, lies are just words, but their consequences are destructive. When people base decisions on lies, they make bad choices. Lies conceal the truth, which may lead to injustice for both the guilty and the innocent. Lies create so much fallacy. And when your trust or the person's ability to trust you is broken you've lost your witness you've lost your power the truth will set you free we're supposed to be on a straight and narrow they say well once you start telling a lie you got to remember it you almost have to keep a journal (laughs) those of you now that are keeping a journal (laughs) Can I take a look? (laughs) Then there's the spirit of pride. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell, to the sides of the pit. Thinking he was going to build a kingdom like God, he's created a kingdom of darkness and wickedness and death and deception. And it all started with pride. Thou wast in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. 
Thou was the anointed cherub that covereth. Thou was perfect in all thy ways from the day that thou was created till unrighteousness was found in thee. Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Pride. I've been beating you on how bad you are. And now I'm going to tell you, if you get good, you're at risk. I want you to walk that straight and narrow. Somewhere between acknowledging your failure and getting victory over it and not being lifted up with pride. The sin of pride is an unhealthy preoccupation with self. It is very fitting that the middle letter in the word pride is I. Pride is all about me, myself, and I. Oh, by the way, how do I look? <laughs> Am I doing a good job? Am I doing a good job? Thank you. Can I get a round of applause? Don't do it! <laughs> I'm struggling here. <laughs> Don't do it. Oh, don't we love a compliment? Somebody comes up to you and says, that was really good. I really appreciate you, brother. And I know that that's the way we do it because we want to make people feel good about how we feel about them. But there are those among us that need that. They feed on that. Some of us struggle with telling the truth. Others struggle with this. These are spirits. It's not just you. These are spirits. We're going to spend more time on that in just a little bit. There's a spirit of selfishness. We're familiar with the story where these two women had one baby to share. And they went to Solomon. They said, we'd like you to make the decision on who's the mother and gets to keep the baby. And Solomon discerned a spirit of selfishness in the false mother. He discerned it, and he was able to manifest that by ordering the disputed child to be cut in two and divided between those who both claimed to be the mother. It's simple. Cut the baby in half. Everybody gets half. Half a baby is no baby at all, my dad would say. <laughs> my dad used to have a lot of interesting sayings. That reminded me. He used to say a boy is a boy. Two boys is half a boy. because they're going to goof off. <laughs> and three boys is no boy at all. <laughs> you can't get anything out of three boys. Anyway, so half a baby is no baby at all. The spirit of selfishness. The one who really loved was the one who was willing to give it up. The real mother wanted to preserve the child's life so the baby could live, even if it meant without her. If I can't get that, I'm not going to play anymore. If I don't get that particular role, if they don't ask me to sing, I've been in this for 50 years and I've never been asked to sing. And I have a wonderful voice. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> it's pride. It's selfishness. And these things eat at a person. 
and you think, well, it's just my personality, and I'm just maybe a little too sensitive. But there is a spirit. And this is the part you have to understand. There is a spirit that specializes in these things. And it is a spirit of selfishness. The Bible calls it out. And it is a spirit of pride. And it is a spirit of lying. And they come to us. And they work us right where they know us. There's a perverse spirit. Distorted. Crooked. Fraudulent. Perverted. He that is perverse in his way shall fall at once. And we are in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom we are seen as lights in the world. Our world is becoming more and more perverse as this spirit takes control. Things don't make sense anymore. Up is down, left is right, good is bad, bad is good. Boy is girl. Who are we, they, them, those, that? It's a perverse... I'm probably going to go to jail for what I just said. <laughs> if I was in Canada, I'd be in trouble. It's a... Per oh, Canada. <laughs> it's a perverse spirit. And it's in our midst. And when a person has this that gets a hold of them, you can't reason with them. You can't discuss with them. You can't anything right, wrong. It's just really complicated, if I can say it like that. A perverse spirit. The Lord has mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof. They've caused Egypt to err, and every work thereof as a drunken man staggereth in his vomit. And notice, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Even of our own selves, there are those in our midst that would want to be teachers among us that are perverse and not honest and not fair and not just. And you don't, what you see is not what you get. But you'd never know it until it's too late. And they'll take you captive, itching ears, tell you what you want to hear. It's all about love, man. It's perverse. You got to know it, but it's a spirit. And then there's a spirit of whoredoms wrapped around that person's neck is unwilling to commit. These are people that can't stay in one place for any length of time. They come. They love it. They want to be a part of it. And they're gone. They go from place to place. And they come into our churches. And they come into our churches and they say, this is the best thing I've ever seen. I've been looking for this. And two months later, they're gone. And you think, well, maybe I should give them a phone call. Maybe I did something wrong. It's a spirit of whoredoms. Hosea was told to marry a prostitute to see what it's like. Can't make her commit. Can't make her stay can't make a good mother out of that woman. 
The works will not let them come back to their God, for the spirit of whoredoms is in the midst of them. They have not known the Lord. The spirit of whoredoms is a divided heart. That spirit gets into the heart and literally tears it into two pieces. I want to do good. Maybe. I want to listen. Maybe. They just can't seem to commit. Unwilling and maybe unable to commit. Okay, now we're going deep. Jesus teaches about Satan. When an evil spirit comes out of a person, it goes through dry places, looking for a place to rest, but doesn't find any. These spirits that come to us are restless spirits. They're active spirits. And they are spirits that want to engage us. And when they're not around our house, knocking on our door, they're not happy. They can't get rest. They're going through dry places. Now, I've got my own little theory, and I'm just going to walk away from the deck for a bit here. I don't believe that these are fallen angels. I've got my own little theory. Does anybody want to hear my little theory? Why not? In the days of Noah, there were giants in the earth in those days. These were those that came about when the sons of God saw the daughters of men. And the New Testament tells us that they went after flesh. And there were children born of those unions, men of renown, giant, great men, Ephanim. God sent a flood and destroyed the earth. Got rid of them. Their bodies died. But I believe their spirits linger on. Seeking a body. That's my theory. I don't believe that the spirits that went after flesh at that time are free. I believe the Bible says that they are currently locked up in chains of darkness. But there are spirits in our world that are very familiar with humanity and our weaknesses and our failures and the things we struggle with and the things we want and the things that get our attention. And they want to inhabit flesh. And they can't do it. They are restless. Now, you may have your own ideas. These spirits go about looking for people. And in the world, they have all you think that they could possibly want. But they hate Jesus. They hate Jesus. And the Spirit says, I will return to my house from whence I came out. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept, and garnished. Remember, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. I'll come in. God told Cain, beware. Sin is at your door. Don't let it in. It comes back. I'd like to come back. Have tea? Maybe a cookie with you? I got some new ideas I'd like to sprinkle into your ear. 
And he goes, he takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there. The last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. These spirits don't want to keep knocking on the door yelling at you from the outside. They want to come in, sup with you, talk with you, entertain you, give you thoughts, give you feelings. And you think it's you. Or maybe, women, maybe you blame your husband. He ain't done nothing wrong. He's a good guy. <laughs> Leave him alone. It's the devil. <laughs> at least that's what I tell my wife. <laughs> Honey, I don't know why you're mad at me. <laughs> It's the devil. You need to go pray, girl. <laughs> Jesus teaches about the devil. How does Satan get access into a life, into a home, into a family? Well, let's take a look at a nice home and a nice family. Here we see a beautiful, happy scene. Jesus said, how can one enter in a strong man's house and spoil his goods? And here we see the strong man. He's got his wife at his side. He's got his kids. And he's going to do what's right in this life. He's providing for them in every which way possible. But Jesus said, to gain access, he must first bind the strong man. And then he will spoil his house got to go after that man. Got to go after that mother. And then he can spoil that house. Well, how's he going to bind you? How's he going to capture you? How's he going to do that? Well, let's take a look at another family. A little bit more modest house, more to my liking. Out in the country, happy dad, happy wife, beautiful children, nice little red car. This is a strong man with his home, everything. Probably doesn't owe a lot on this if we have any bankers among us. <laughs> He's not heavily in debt. I could teach on that too. But he does have a problem. I don't know what his problem is. Maybe it was something his dad never overcame. Maybe his grandpa struggled with it. It could go back generations. It just keeps coming back. Keeps coming back. Maybe he can't tell the truth. Maybe he's a little deceptive to his wife. Maybe he's proud. That brings about strife in the home. And he expects too much out of those kids. And the kids are starting to push back a little bit. And he can't handle that. And they've got to hide it. And they lie about it. And he's not going to tolerate that. And all these things are starting to get into his home. And before you know it, his anger is rising up. He's bound. We come back and visit him a year or two later. Things are different. That happy home is now, excuse me, hell on wheels. Everything's wrong. Everything's broken. They're wondering if they're going to be able to make it in that marriage. Car's starting to rust. House needs paint. And that spirit just keeps beating on that guy. And he's bound and he can't seem to go overcome it. And not only that, along comes another. And now this one's working on the wife. And there's things happening and they can't understand it. 
And they wanted to go to church, and they wanted to do right, and they thought they had victory, and they've been praying about this stuff. Where are the kids? Oh, they're running. Because that's what kids will do. And they're running right to the enemy. Yeah. They're on drugs. The girl's at risk of getting pregnant. The guy's questioning his own identity. This is a Christian home I'm talking about. These are people that want to go to church. They want to live for Jesus. But how did it happen? This open door. Something got in. Subtle. And just wormed its way in and worked it and worked it and worked it. And None of us have ever experienced that. Like I said at the beginning, none of us need this kind of teaching. You know, you're all good folks. But maybe there's some here that need this. Who now is the strong man of this house? It's the enemy. It's his house. Downward steps. How does this happen? It starts with temptation. It goes to obsession. Not only am I tempted, I can't stop it. It goes to oppression. Man, it just keeps wearing on me, wearing on me. Just, just when I think that I'm going to be able to have a good day, a good week, a good month. There it is, there it is, there it is. And down to possession. But please don't get me wrong. Satan doesn't possess everybody. But I'll tell you, he tempts us all. And some of us are obsessed. And some of you are oppressed. And I've been around long enough. I've seen those that were possessed. Years ago, I invited a friend of mine. This is, I was a fairly new Christian. Maybe I'd been in this for a year or two. And I ran across a buddy of mine. Went to school with him in high school. And we were all really heavily into drugs and all that stuff. I came out of it fairly clean and decent. Just a good dose of repentance is what I needed. I invited him to church. And you talk about a weird, weird evening. It's the strangest thing I've encountered as a young Christian. That man was possessed of the devil. And it was the strangest thing that I'd ever seen. He couldn't sit still. He couldn't. He's just up, but he's running around. The next thing you know, he's running around up around the altar when the pastor's trying to preach. It's like, what in the world's going on with my guest? It's real. We tell you, it's real. Now, would a city like Yakima or Union Gap have any issues with Satan? Does he have any strongholds in this town? Have you run into any of them yet? Okay, so I'm not talking strange stuff, right? This isn't Halloween stuff. We've done a little review here. We've talked about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, ignorance, lineage, habits, Jesus exposing the devil. We understand some of these things linger on. Now we're going to go to this subject. Strong men having impact on both physical and spiritual realms. How these spirits begin to affect people. Unclean spirits can cause afflictions. And we read these in Scripture. 
dumbness, inability to speak, blindness, personal injuries, physical defects, deformities. They impart superhuman strength. We had a, another guy I went to school with. That dude was possessed. And he got so strong with our pastor who was trying to cast Satan out of him. It was like, what am I seeing? The, the strength that that guy had. He, he literally could pick the couch up. It was like, this is weird going on at the pastor's house. He's very weird. What kind of people you bring into church, Val? <laughs> but it's real. And they're out there. The psychological side effects may include insanity, suicidal mania, self-mutilation, nakedness, excessive crying. Let's go into this. Some examples from the Gospels. One of the multitude said, Master, he's speaking to Jesus, I brought to thee my son, which has a dumb spirit. He had become possessed, and he was unable to speak. Though that doesn't mean everyone that can't speak is possessed. But demons can affect us physically. They can affect our abilities. They can affect our health. They can alter things within our life. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him. He foameth and gnashes with his teeth, and then he faints. He pineth away. This is how that spirit was affecting that young man. There's another one. A woman that was brought to Jesus. She couldn't stand up. Someone would say she needs a good chiropractor. And probably in 99% of the cases, a chiropractor can cast that bad joint out of you. But not this one. Not this one. And the Lord Jesus replied, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? Don't you take care of your animals on the Sabbath day? It's the Lord's day. Now this woman's been bound by Satan for 18 years. Are you going to tell me that Satan gets another day? She's going to suffer on the Lord's day and somehow that brings glory to God? Let's loose her from that spirit. And she stood up and walked away healed. And it was Satan that had somehow gotten into this woman's life and bent her over so that she could not stand up for 18 years. Now, I've got some theories on these things also. And I'm not going to tell you all my theories, but I will tell you this. When Satan begins to work in a person's life, it begins to affect their nerves. It really does. And when your nerves become affected, it begins to imping upon your muscles and your health. And you begin to wear down. And you think that it's just your health. And maybe you better go on another diet. No, don't get me wrong. Go on a diet. You all need that. <laughs> but you're not going to starve the devil out. You may need to call for the elders. <laughs> See, I got some things I just can't overcome. And I need to talk to you about it. Is that wrong? I don't think it is. It's better than y'all backsliding and walking away and somehow blaming the church when it really was the devil doing what the devil does all the time. Let's keep going here. Jesus met a certain man which had devils long time, and he wore no clothes. Neither abode he in any house but in the tombs. 
When he saw Jesus, he cried out, fell down before him. With a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech thee, torment me not. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For oft time he had caught him when he was kept bound with chains and fetters. And he broke the chains and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Jesus asked him and said, What is your name? And he said, Don't call me he, call me them. <laughs> call me those, call me these. Because we are many. And we know how that happened. He just kept coming back with more. Coming back with more. Piling it on. Party time in this man's house. Jesus delivered him. Now we want to talk about strong men that take over a person's life and how it begins to manifest itself in a person's life. Now, again, please, don't get me wrong. Not everybody that has a motorcycle <laughs> is possessed of the devil. I have friends that wear leather. <laughs> Not everyone that's got a leather jacket is possessed of the devil. But I'm going to pick on hell's angels, if that's all right with you. Hell's angels? Those are demons. And what it really is speaking of is ownership. Ownership. Who owns you? What controls you? What drives you? And I've got same things here that we could look at. Drugs. Self-mutilation. Gangs. Territorial spirits. I own that person. It's mine. And you try to get away. And you find out. You find out. And you can break free. But the spirit of error gets in a person's life and it takes ownership of them. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears us not. And hereby we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Can't hear you. Can't leave what possesses them, what owns them. Can't even entertain the idea. The time will come when people will not listen to sound doctrine. They will follow their own desires. They will collect for themselves more and more teachers who will tell them what they, what they are itching to hear. And I'm not going to look up all these verses. It brings about contentions. Unable to discern error. Servants of corruption. When a person becomes so controlled by these spirits, you can't reason them out of it. You can't talk them out of it. You can't Bible study teach them out of it. It's got more of a hold on them than anything you can imagine. But Jesus is greater. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But if you're going against these spirits, you need to know what you're up against. And you need to know what you're, you're fighting. 
How do these spirits get into a person's life? I, I, I list four things here that honestly I think are key. Rebellion, drugs, and I'm going to bring up drugs a lot. Drugs, personal rejection, and overcome by sin brings about a spirit of error. We are living in a time, and I believe as we go into the prophetic times that the Bible's told us about, you're going to see things you can't imagine. And we're being prepped for that. And we're being prepped for that with the legalization of drugs. And recreational drugs, we called it dope. There is no such thing as a recreational drug. And nor is there a medicine that you can buy on the street. What are we thinking here? We're being prepped because drugs is a big part of spirits overcoming. It breaks down the will. If you go into countries where demonism is very rampant, and there are places, and I've been in those places in my travels, drugs is a big part of that culture. It's drugs. It's they're taking different things to not only open the door, it's literally ripped the door off the hinges. How do we overcome something like this? How do we bind that strong man? This know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Understand, there's some things that are just going to happen. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we need to get stronger. The light needs to get brighter. And we need to, we need to do this more and more, better and better, if I can say it like that. I was listening to a survey, and they said that the average, they, they interviewed 80,000, I believe it was, Christians. And the average Christian reads their Bible once a week. And they said that those people, there's nothing discernible between them and those that are not Christians. You couldn't discern it. You couldn't tell the difference. Those that read their Bible twice a week, they said pretty much the same. Three times a week, they started to notice that this person seems to be affected by what they're reading. And at four times a week, they're starting to make changes in the world around them. Think about that. It's the word. It's the word, brother. You, you said that. I wish you were up here teaching right now. We got to refocus our love. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, bold, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. How do you bind that strong man? Well, first of all, like I said, it's a sign of the times, but love has to be refocused. It has to be taken off self. Because it all started possibly with a spirit of pride. Got to develop real affection. For these people are without natural affection. They're truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And you got to forsake some pleasures. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We live in a time right now where there's so many things to do. So much fun. It's almost like we're living in Disneyland. It's just always something to do. Always something. 
What do you want to do next week? What do you want to do Saturday? What are you doing after church? What are you doing? What are you doing? Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Keep you happy. Keep you entertained. The church can fall for that. You don't need to always be doing something fun. It all goes back to self. It starts out so simple, so subtle. It's a strong man of divination. This is different than the spirit of error. Spirit of error leads a person down some really strange paths. But divination is where you're trying to get in touch with other spirits. And it came to pass as we went to prayer, we were met by a woman possessed with a spirit of divination. How did she get this? Well, again, quite possibly, her parents had it. And it's in the family. It's part of the culture. It's where she came from. And it's just expected. She was raised. Maybe she was even trained in this. And maybe some of you come out of families that delved in these things. Some of those things hang on. And they can manifest themselves as a spirit of heaviness, spirit of bondage, spirit of fear. You may have to break those connections. How do these, how do these powers come about? Rebellion, drugs, magic, and horoscopes. America's got talent. A lot of it's magic. You say, oh, come on, that's just fun stuff. We even do that in Sunday school. Talk to me. It's all a lie. It's all a trick. Come on, it's all a trick. It's all a lie. It's all up the sleeve. We know that. And the devil's got everything up his sleeve because he's just a liar. But it's not entertainment. And believe it or not, there's a spirit behind it. I know, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting a step on some toes here. I know when I first came into this years ago, we used to preach against playing cards. I don't play cards. You say, Brother Berg, are you serious? I don't gamble either. Y'all tithing on your winnings? You know, it's all a lie. I worked at a gas station when I first got saved. And they had the roll of pull tabs. And the guys would come in at night with their credit cards. They couldn't hardly afford to put food on the table. And they'd come in and they'd say, $20 on that one. And they'd pull off 20 of them. Now, I know, because I worked at the gas station that there's of a roll, let's say, of 500 in there, that there's only so many winnings. And the gas station owner's going to win every time. Because if he sells 500, he's only going to give out 250 bucks. And that's why they do that. And I know that 220's already gone off that roll. And that guy's giving away $20, and he doesn't have a chance. But he's hoping. 
and he's rubbing his rabbit's foot. No, y'all don't got rabbit's foots, do you? This is divination. You say, oh, come on, Brother Berglund. Now you're just picking on us. No, it's these little things. It's these... Be overly cautious. The games we play, the things that entertain us, the things that we let our children do. You, you're going to fix this, brother, fix this when I'm all done, would you? They ask for revelations from a piece of wood. A stick tells them what they want to know. They have left me, for the spirit of whoredoms has caused them to err. They've given themselves over to other gods. Fortune tellers, witches, stargazers, hypnotists, enchanters, magic. It's all in the Bible and it's all condemned and it's all an entry. Open doors for the devil. And how do we fight the spirit of divination? Many of the believers came publicly admitting and revealing what they had done. They confessed. Many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in public. They added up the price of the books. The total came to 50,000 silver coins. Forsake your sin. And in this powerful way, the word of the Lord kept spreading and growing stronger. Replace that garbage with the word of God in your life. I'm talking about how to overcome Satan in a home. Because he creeps in. And little things, little things become big things. Strong man of a familiar spirit. What is a familiar spirit? The voice as of one that hath a familiar spirit. Out of the ground thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. It's the celebration of death. Do we have any Mexicans here? Y'all know what I'm talking about. Come on, I go to Mexico. I love your country. <laughs> My wife became an American citizen years ago, and I took her down to Cabo. We were walking the streets of Cabo, taco in hand. And she says, I made a big mistake. And I says, why is that, honey? She says, I should have become a Mexican. <laughs> well, honey, you look like it anyway. <laughs> Every time we go there, someone tries to talk Spanish with her. <laughs> but y'all got some really, really bad culture. You know that. You got some stuff that you really need to consider. So do, I don't know what we would call me. I mean, I'm Swede, French, German, English, a little Jewish, and a little bit of American Indian. Well, what culture have I got? Not much of anything, you know. But there are some things within our culture that's wrong. And I just can't, I can't partake of it. I know that, you know, the Swedes, we've got Thor. Odin. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking to that guy. Y'all are part of a culture that celebrates death. And it's a big thing. And maybe even people commune with the departed. That's a familiar spirit, and it's forbidden in Scripture, and it's wrong, and maybe your grandmother's involved in it. Think about that. Think about that.
When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, don't follow the disgusting practices of the nations that are there. Don't consult the spirits of the dead. The medium, the peep and mutter, the clairvoyant, the mind reader, and again, drugs, sorcery, pharmacy. Stay away from this stuff. Make a clear path. I don't care if it's your culture. Things that have generations before, they creep in. How to overcome that? You got to recognize it's evil. One day we were going to a place of prayer. We were met by a young servant woman who had an evil spirit that enabled her to predict the future. She earned a lot of money for her owners by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and us, shouting, These men are the servants of the Most High God. They announce unto you how you can be saved. Paul wasn't going to put up with that, even if it was true. She did this for many days until Paul became so upset, he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I order you to come out of her. And the Spirit went out that very moment. He spoke to the Spirit in the name of Jesus. We need to sometimes speak to the spirits when they come knocking at our door and say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, this ain't me. This is you knocking on my door. This ain't me coming up with this temptation. This is you that's trying to get me to fall for this again. This is not me. This is you. And I command you in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. You've got to do it. And I'm just about done here. Strongman, seducing spirit. These are teachers that come bringing air. Mary, Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, Eastern religions. And I, I, I could go on and on and on with these different teachings that all claim to have their revelation from some spirit realm. Really? Let's talk about that. Yeah. I have the Bible, and the only spirit I want to hear is Jesus Christ. Everything else I am not interested in, it's wrong. I don't care if it's enjoyable. I don't care if they've got beautiful buildings. I don't care if they do good. It's a lie. It's all a lie. It's all deception. I don't care if grandma was in it. I don't care if my mom and dad are in it. I'm out of it. I'm separated from it. It's nothing but a seducing spirit. For false messiahs, false prophets will appear, perform miracles and wonders in order to deceive even God's chosen people, if possible. You could be tricked. Don't listen to this stuff. And so, how does this come about? How do people fall for that? Well, they've got no foundation. They're not reading their Bible. They've got itching ears. They like to hear new things. They ignore their conscience. They've heard some good teaching on it, but they just push it off, push it off. And they're listening to false prophets that have power. The Spirit says clearly that some people will abandon faith in latter times. They will obey seducing spirits to follow the teachings of demons. I guess what I'm telling you is true. It is the teaching of demons. These are seducing spirits. It's not just another doctrine. These are spiritual things that we need to be aware of. Such teachings are spread by deceitful liars whose conscience are dead. 
How does this come about? Hypocrisy, deceptions, wander from the truth, fascination to evil, and enticers. And how do we overcome this? Cling to the truth. The Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Protect your conscience. Speak in lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Reject error. Forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from meat, which God has created to be seed with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Believe and know the truth. And that's what I'm just about done. Believing and knowing the truth. This is an advertisement. We're not going to go this far into a message without a commercial break. <laughs> I have on YouTube about a hundred lessons similar to this. They're there for you. You can talk to your elder about how you can access this. And you should be filling your mind and your heart with Bible teaching. If you were to listen to one a day, it'll keep you going for almost half a year. They're there for you. Share them with your friends. Share them with your family. Put it out on social media. Watch them with your kids. Watch them with your grandkids. When your grandkids come over to visit, say, we're going to watch a 10-minute video, and then we're going to discuss this. We need to start putting the Word of God into our daily life and into our homes and into our families and into our friends. Get a little fanatic. you got to. That's the way we're going to overcome the devil. I've got one last, and, and this one is a part of the New Covenant series. Subscribe to my channel. <laughs> Click on the button. <laughs> okay. We started like this. At your door, Jesus is knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not strong enough to be the strong man in my house. I wish I was. I wish I could tell my wife, you know, baby, I'm, I'm enough for you. I'm winking. <laughs> but I'm not. I invite Jesus into my home and into my life. I invite Jesus to live in my heart. In my heart. And I invite Jesus to take control of my existence. And let him be my strong man. And when someone comes knocking on my door, Jesus, could you get that? Elder Flowers, my brother. I'd like you to hang on for just a second. Okay. I'd like you to speak. I, I'm asking Brother Berglund if he would speak to one other thing regarding this that he's just taught us. I'd like you to speak from your perspective about social media and the gaming industry right now. Are you serious? Microsoft just got the go-ahead to purchase Activision for almost $70 billion. It's got to be worth something. There's got to be something there. We're not talking millions, we're talking billions. Why would somebody spend as much money as a country makes 
with their GNP, gross national product, in a year on a game. The judge who made the decision after listening for a week of back and forth discussion on whether Microsoft should purchase this particular social media game and the concerns that Sony and others had, finally she said, are you telling me that all of this discussion and argument and money is over a shooting game? She was shocked. It's over a shooter game, she says? I can't believe it. So what kind of power does that shooter game have? What kind of power does social media have? So how much time does social media consume of the average person's life? And it's getting better and better. And they know exactly what the human constitution wants and can maintain over the hours. Reels. You know, you just click, click, click. I wonder what the next one is. Click, click, click. And next thing you realize, well, that just took all my prayer time. And I'm probably not going to see supper tonight either. My wife's in the other room clicking. <laughs> click, click, click. Now, that's just the, the natural aspect of it. What's the spiritual aspect behind it? Why do you think our young people are acting out? the way they are. Why is there so much violence among teenagers today? And I'm not talking about getting into a fight. The little community I live in had about a half a dozen kids shoot each other, kill each other within about two weeks. What is that? What's happening to us? And the thing is, the kids ain't going to stop because mom and dad are doing it too. It's entertainment. And it consumes and it feeds. And I, I know I'd like to be able to say, well, the devil's in this thing. I mean, I, I, everything I said today is about in there. That is, in many ways, a manifestation of almost everything we've talked about. It's got the witchcraft. It's got the demons. It's got the violence. It's got the pornography. It's got the bad language. It's got the connections with people in your life that you would never associate with. Ever. And it's all there. And it's feeding it into your soul. And into your kids' souls. And your grandkids' souls. My son Brandon, he wasn't always the best kid. Some of you even shared a room with him in Bible college. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. He's Brandon. And he's like, Dad, 
that stuff's really bad. Is that that's not the sort of thing you want kids being involved in. I came into the United Pentecostal Church again. It's the third time I'm saying it. 50 years ago, when we wouldn't watch the Beverly Hillbillies. I didn't have a TV for most of my life. We were shocked when uh, Dick Van Dyke and Mary Tyler Moore shared a bed in one episode. And I Dream of Jeannie exposed her belly button. And that's why it got taken off the air. Because people protested. We are numb. We have become so desensitized that we have no idea we're eating vomit. It's true. It's being regurgitated into our lives literally from hell. And we're consuming it. And you like it. My, my advice, shut it on. Shut it on. Live without it. And see if it changes you. Say, I don't know if I can live without it. I don't know what to say. Then it's got you. Then it's got you. Social media that could be one of the most powerful tools to reach our city is not being used. I, I remember years ago when preachers in the United Pentecostal Church wanted to be on TV. And there were like Mark Hanby and Kenneth Phillips and others. They left the organization because they wanted to be on TV. And the, the United Pentecostal Church says, no, that's not a good media. It's, it's, not, it's not a healthy place to be. Now, with social media and YouTube and our channels, every one of us can be on TV. I'm a star. But you know how few Pentecostals I see on social media spreading the gospel. I don't hardly know any. Well, and I've, I've asked people, well, why wouldn't you put stuff about your faith out there? They wouldn't answer, but I can answer for them. They don't want people to know. They don't want to be exposed as somebody that's a Bible thumper. You need to thump that Bible. When I first came to the Lord, I had a very strong conviction because the Bible says, and take with you the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. What does it say? And take with you. I carried a Bible with me everywhere I went as a young Christian. Everywhere I went, I had a Bible because it says, take with you. Now I've got a cell phone. Yeah. I almost got beat up by a biker or my Bible once. Did I ever tell you that story? No. I was brand new Christian and went and talked to the Lord, talked to a friend about the Lord. He was hung around with bikers. He had a gang there in Duluth called the Thunderbirds. And he said, come on. He takes me to the Thunderbird house. 
I knew these people. They knew them very well. And so I sit down, and everyone's smoking dope and drinking, and I feel really out of place. And I reached into my pocket, and I took out my Bible. And I start reading. And the guy comes walking over, and he looks at me. He wants to fight. He couldn't handle it. He wants to fight. He said, let's fight. I was like, fight? I'm a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> Are you kidding me? You want to fight? <laughs> so he follows me outside. He wants to fight with me. Me and my buddy, we get in the car. We drive away. Um, I needed that, though, because it was a good witness. That buddy became a Christian. Today he pastors the United Pentecostal Church in Iowa. I'm not sure why I told you that. Social media, it's dangerous. Be careful. Be very, very cautious with your kids. <sighs> Take the cell phones away from them at night. I don't know what to tell you. You know, maybe you should hand your phone in to your mate. Stick them in the refrigerator. I always figure it's a good spot. <laughs> Brother. Could we stand together? Understand him standing here so we can see everybody. <laughs> We've received a lot tonight. A lot of the word, 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 word. And I know for myself it's caused me even in my own mind and my own life to consider things I've dealt with even in the last week where sometimes we just dismiss I don't think we say there's a, a spirit under every rock but the word that Brother Berglund used a while ago that I think is so key everything he said is so critical and timely but we've become desensitized or numbed This ought not be. We should be alive in Christ. As he was walking through one of those slides, I can't remember specifically which one. I should have wrote it down because I was going to have him put that one back. But Join his YouTube page. I thought, where do we as the church, how do we begin to deal with all of these things? And... Maybe you're standing here tonight and you're going, man, where do I start? Well, I think you start with what the Spirit of the Lord quickened to you while you were hearing the word tonight. You don't walk out of here and just go, wow, that's a lot. You go, no, man, this stood out to my spirit. I got to do something in this area. I draw a line. I make a change. I cut this off. I... Not next week, not next month. Well... I'll get through the weekend. My subscription lasts for another 12 days. I don't know where that came from. Cut it off. Cut it off. But here's the other. We have to make an altar. And I don't mean a place of prayer. 
we should have a place of prayer. I mean a place of dying. Where we get on an altar and we die to ourself. Self-will, self-desire. All those things he talked about, self, 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 pride, affections, desires that are all fed through self. I'm, I'm trying to satisfy self, please self. So I have to get on an altar and die, presenting my body a living sacrifice to the Lord, holy and acceptable, which is my reasonable service to him. And not be conformed to this world, but be transformed changed, metamorphosized by the renewing of my mind. How do I renew my mind? By the washing of the Word of God. Could we just talk to the Lord where we are right now? Would you let the Holy Ghost that has come to us through the living Word of God tonight, would you begin to talk to the Lord right now? Maybe you're here and you're going, I need, I need some freedom from some of this. I want some of this to break. I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is here to break it. Respond in faith and begin to release it. Lord, according to your word, I draw lines right now. Come on, the Spirit of the Lord is here knocking on the door. For some, it's simply saying, Lord, I've been opening the door to the wrong things. By your grace, I close that door. But Lord, I open the door to you. I pray let your spirit reach into this place in my life. Come and take up residence here. I'm opening the door of my mind and my heart. And I'm closing the door in areas where I've opened it so readily and easily. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I'm opening this altar to you. Let the Spirit of the Lord have free course right now. There has to be a response to the word we've heard. There must be a reception. I believe you've been receiving it the whole time it's been ministered. But there must be a response to God as well. A response to the Holy Ghost. Come on, it's what your soul's been wanting to do while you've been hearing it. It's been stirring in you. Would you come to a place and in the spirit close some doors definitively and in the spirit open some areas you've held restricted that you want to let god have full access to brutal honesty before god brutal honesty before god he knows anyway in the name of jesus don't wait on somebody else I feel some of you in your spirit you're wrestling you're like I want to respond I feel like I need I'm encouraging you don't wait on somebody else step out in faith let the spirit of the Lord begin to do a work in your heart and life in the name of Jesus
break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. Break every chain, to 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 break every ch
shared that scripture, I think, a couple of times that speaks of the house being cleaned out, swept, and empty. And then the spirit returns and brings back with its seven other spirits. And the latter state of the man is worse than the first. There is a, the spirit of the Lord is able and willing and has even already for some even here tonight broken things you've gotten revelation through the word and the spirit of the Lord has begun the work that the words continued in that now what here's what happens you get victory in an area but that you if you don't come back and put something back in the place that was vacated Notice, the spirit come back with seven other spirits, finds the house clean and swept, and brings, there's room to bring something back in. This is the criticality of the Word of God. It's not enough to say, cut off X, remove X from my life. I need to put something in its place that begins to feed my spirit the way God intends for my spirit to be fed. Because what will happen is we'll remove something or close a door but then desire, longing, self says what do I do? What do I do? I got I to gotta be doing something, to Brother Berglund's point. I got to be doing something. I should be doing something. And because we haven't came back and filled it with the Word, fellowship with the Lord, find, we open the door back to the very thing that we had closed the door to. We've all done it. We've all done it. Man, I'm going to cut this off. I'm going to stop. And we'll do it for a month or six months or, and then uh, just just one night we've all done it you got to put something in its place the word of God fellowship with him fellowship with the body of Christ faithfulness to the things of God thank you brother Berglund for the word of the Lord thank you elder flowers and Union Gap for facilitating and making this available an invitation for all of us. We have to walk out of here and we still have to continue in what we've heard. I was sort of torn on whether to open the altar because sometimes when we open the altar we cry for a little bit, we feel the presence of God and we go, okay, that's good. I feel better now. I'm not trying to make you feel bad now. <laughs> you understand. But let's make sure that we walk through this word in our spirit. As we begin to look in our homes. As we begin to look in our relationships. As we begin to look and we see these. Let's have an awareness. Ah, I remember the word. I see this. Okay. I have a recognition. I want to begin to close that door. Right. I think we're all understanding enough to realize that in this last hour and a half we've spent together we probably haven't closed every door we need to close 
And so there will be things that will be illuminated to us now because we have the understanding of the word. That as we leave and we begin to see and we're going to, I recognize that. I'm not going to procrastinate. I'm going to close the door. Amen. Amen. Can we thank the Lord together right now and lift him up? Jesus, you are great. We magnify you, the living God. I thank you for your holy word that reveals to us the tactics of the adversary. I thank you for your word, God, that makes it clear to us so we understand that we do not wrestle flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. We see these things that have been revealed to us by your word. I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you that you come to our door and knock and that you so willingly will enter in that you will be our strength, our strong tower, our help, our refuge. I thank you for the people of God, the body of Christ, the fellowship of the body, whereby we are strengthened and edified. I thank you, Lord, for your word that cannot fail. Your word. I thank you for your word bless you tonight in Jesus name in Jesus name God bless you please greet someone you're dismissed in Jesus name